Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. I've got three ups and three downs, as those of you who are new to the new system understand over the last couple of days for the Rockies. Sometimes it'll be three ups and three downs from a game. Sometimes it'll be three ups and three downs from a series. Sometimes, like this time, it will be three ups and three downs since last we spoke. And since last we spoke, here are the things that are going on with the Colorado Rockies. Unfortunately, we do have to begin with the big down because as you probably know coming into this this is the biggest piece of news facing the Colorado Rockies right now and as I'm recording this we're still in a little bit of limbo when it comes to Brendan Rodgers and the injury but it doesn't sound good the last we've heard uh, and we're still waiting for a full update on because we did hear probably or, or potentially I think was was the word surgery could be needed and that could end his season uh, of course, there's this part, I guess, while we're in this window of time, it is absolutely a thousand percent worth hoping that it's less serious than it sounds like it could be, right? When this first happened, a little bit of a collision, they, they said they had to pop his shoulder back into place, and, and that's something that can happen, does happen to athletes sometimes, doesn't sound pleasant. You know, you miss a couple of days, maybe, if you're really, really sore, but it is something that can be a, a quicker turnaround if it's not more serious, but the MRI... According to Thomas Harding of MLB.com and quotes from Bud Black, revealed a, a further damage. And, and now they're, I'm sure, doing a bunch of tests and trying to figure out the best way to move forward for Brendan. You know, and, and this is, there There are two things here, right? There's the Brendan Rogers conversation, which is where I'm going to spend most of the time. Because the second conversation of how does this impact the team one, in terms of wins and losses, does not matter this season, right? We've talked about this, and and I know that there are some people who don't particularly enjoy that, or it feels like a loser's mentality, or whatever it is. I consider it being reasonable about where we are in the history and present and sort of zeitgeist of this team, right? If we're being reasonable about what this team is, Rogers' presence wasn't the difference between potentially getting to the postseason or not, in my view. And so missing him, you know, it's not, oh man, there goes a guy who could really help him win. And I I saw uh, another writer and another publication out there suggest that with the loss of Rodgers, that makes this Rockies team the worst Rockies team in all of history, which I don't believe is true, having observed most of the Rockies, well, all of the Rockies teams throughout history. But uh, of course, that'll have to play out on the diamond or not, right? This is a big loss not because of how it hurts the Rockies' abilities to compete in 2023. It's a big loss because Brendan Rodgers could, should, would, maybe, be a big contributor. We've talked, this season is about finding the core, the key pieces for the next three or four or five years. And Rodgers was one of those guys who seemed very clearly set to not only be a member of that core, but potentially even be a leader of that core with Ryan McMahon, Kyle Freeland, we know is the only guys under contract who are a a little bit younger, who are not Chris Bryant, right? And Bryant's really the only other one. Rodgers seemed like 
especially coming off of last year with the gold glove win and after his rough first month offensively, he was very good the rest of the season offensively. He can hit on the road. He's got some pop. A phenomenal defender who at 26, he thought maybe this really is the year that Rodgers takes that next step. And so for him individually, this would be devastating if he has to miss the season. And, and absolutely brutal. He's struggled with injuries already in his career and fluke stuff. Right, it's not that he's had, uh, like Troy Tulowitzki had the hip issue that bothered him his whole career. Todd Helton had a back issue that after it happened, it bothered him the rest of his career. Right, that's not what's going on with Rodgers. He's had random ass stuff. He got hit in the head by a pitch once a couple of years ago, like this shoulder thing. Um, he had a, a, an elbow very early on when, when he first got drafted, right? There was an elbow thing that some people thought might have to move him away from shortstop and eventually did, right? Now he's he's a second baseman, but clearly with phenomenal defensive capabilities. But, and, and I hate to even put this out there in the atmosphere, though I know I'm not the only one. A lot of us are thinking about David Dahl all over again, right? And how could you not? I mean, they're just, both of them, first round picks, top 10 overall picks, who balled out in the minors, showed all the potential to be stars. In fact, David Dahl played in an all-star game, right? Uh, Rodgers was, uh, won a golden glove, right? Th- these are big accomplishments at the major league level. And you think, okay, now the Rockies have this guy who they drafted, who was homegrown, who they've invested in throughout his minor league career, and now into the majors, and even through some ups and downs in the majors, and now is the time where all of that investment and energy is going to pay off and you just have to hope for Rodgers personally and for the team again not this year but really in 24 and beyond that they can get through this right that this injury doesn't you know isn't the beginning of the end for Rodgers and and and, and I, I like I said I, I hate putting that even out there into the universe uh, there's Look, man, I, the, I I pride myself in my professional journalism, and, and I know some people scoff at the very notion of such a thing, but there are ways of separating yourself and being objective and personal, but it's okay to root for people's personal health and for them to be okay in life, and you've got to root for Brendan Rogers here. What the Rockies do, what... what you know, the, the next thing that I'm about to talk about uh, as we, we go to On the Diamond... That's all secondary. And even how, you know, Rodgers might come back in 24 and beyond and help the team is secondary. Right now, you've just got to hope that the game of baseball doesn't lose another potential phenomenal talent because of the absolute horror that are random ass injuries, man. And I mean, even going back to things like I mentioned Todd Helton and Tulowitzki and Carlos Gonzalez, it's... It's been brutal for this franchise over the years. Very rarely has there been a player who's mostly been able to keep his health and and provide some longevity. Like I said, Helton's probably the best example. And even there, you know, he really, the last five, six years of his career, you know, that back was a massive issue. And so, man, just on a human level, you got to be rooting for Brendan Rodgers right now. Gotta hope that he comes back and that he can make, that he still has an opportunity to reach his ceiling 
as a baseball player because he hasn't even gotten close to that yet. Not in my mind. Defensively, he's he maybe reached it last season, but there was so much more to learn about and see about for Rodgers. And you got to hope he gets back out there and can find it again. And the approach from the team perspective should be there should be absolutely no rush to get him back out there. If the best thing for his long-term health is a cert, like if there was some kind of solution that would get him back out there in two or three months, but maybe be a little bit riskier in the long term, or a solution where he misses this entire year, but it puts him in a much better position to be himself thereafter, you have to do that one. You have to do the one that may hurt the team more, but you have to do everything you can to get Rodgers right for 24 and beyond rather than in this season, which is so much about learning, right? So let's do an up. That was a difficult down to start the podcast with. And there are silver linings to this, uh, right? right? I I balk, if, if I may, at that phrase sometimes, but remember that silver linings come from mushroom clouds. So it's it's implicit in the in the phrase that, right, the big thing is absolutely bad. And there's, there's no saying, oh, well, actually, this is good for... But we do have to talk about the on-the-field domino effect of what happens here. And for me, you know, I, I got asked a lot right after it. Uh, I went on uh, Mile High Sports Radio. We did an AMA with Kim. Make sure that you're following, by the way, Mile High Sports on YouTube and uh, on Twitter, and that you're following Kim so you get all of the AMAs that we do. But the question of, you know, Oh, do they just go to Alan Trejo? Uh, maybe these guys like Coco Montes or Harold Castro, who are middle infielders who've been performing well in spring training and have some experience. And and should you do that? And and quite frankly, there's I get that. There's nothing wrong. It I don't know if I say it that way. It's kind of boring in my mind. Like there's fine, but if you are going to try to make a little you know, chicken salad from the chicken stuff, as it were, then I think what you've got to do here is move Ryan McMahon to second base and open up a spot for more at-bats for a Lauris Montero, which I think I'm getting closer to pronouncing correctly. Here's why I would do that. Now, this isn't, no matter what you do, there are risks and rewards, right? There's potentiality here. But ultimately, in my mind, the Biggest frustration from a Rockies position player standpoint coming into the season was the fact that, oddly enough, they have more players that need to play than they have at-bats to go around, especially with Charlie Blackman and CJ Crone on the team. And I know there are a lot of people who just think, trade one of those guys, and and I understand all that, but let's put that aside for a minute because the roster is what it is. You know, if the Rockies aren't going to trade those guys, well, then what do they do, Right. And it really looked like Elaris Montero was going to be the the odd man out here because Tolia can play in right field. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. And, you know, Tovar's got his spot. And then when Veen or Doyle or Bouchard or whoever these guys are coming up, there's, there's ways to move things around in the outfield, right? But with Ryan McMahon pretty much locked in at third and CJ Crone pretty much locked in at first and Charlie Blackman more or less locked in as your DH, it was going to be a bit of uh, a whack-a-mole situation, figuring out when you can get Montero into the lineup. And I think they were going to do it. I think they were intent on figuring out, hey, tough lefty in there. Maybe Chuck gets a day off, especially if it's a day game. Montero can DH. Uh, Maybe if that's the case and McMahon needs a game, then you get him in there at third and so on and so forth. But as it stands now, 
what I would do is just move McMahon over to second, where you know he can play gold glove caliber defense for you anyway. You put Montero at third so he can get starting at bats, uh, as many as you need so you can learn more about him. And then not only does that mean that you get a lot more Montero, which we absolutely need to see, but it also gives somebody else the opportunity to take up that role that I was just describing Montero is going to have, right? So it's, it's that domino effect of not only does he get more at-bats, but whether it's Tolia, Bouchard, or Doyle, uh, whoever, probably just whoever's hitting, right, would now become your, your backup DH, backup middle, maybe it's Nolan Jones, Right, I could see Nolan Jones being a, a, a benefactor from this. And, and I see people being like, well, Jones doesn't play second base. Right, but if you move McMahon to second base, you've now opened up a lot of opportunities for guys to either get at-bats playing at third or at DH. And so as much as it's absolutely devastating news if Brendan Rodgers is going to miss significant time in a weird way. Now, if the Rockies play it right it opens up more at-bats for players who need these at-bats. If they go with Alan Trejo, Coco Montes, Harold Castro, then I'll be frustrated because, again, that's the kind of move that would be far more justifiable if the Rockies were going to compete this year, right? If the Rockies are in contention, then, yeah, you throw the guy over at second base who maybe doesn't have a high ceiling, but he's not going to kill you, right? You know what you're going to get as opposed to, maybe having a bit more of a project over at third base because you're not sure if Montero can hang defensively. And you're still with these young guys. You're not sure they're going to hit until they hit, right? But ultimately, that's what I would do. There's been some conversation uh, in my Discord and just, just chatting with me on Twitter a little bit about what that would do to McMahon to have him go to second base for a year. Is he still trying to find the best version of his bat to once again change his position and and then maybe have him go back to third base next year? I would say this, as long as he's not, not splitting time between the two spots throughout the season, I think he'll be fine. You, you say, look, you're our second baseman until Rodgers comes back. Still want you focused on your hitting. I, I think McMahon's got the mental fortitude uh, to do that just fine. Like I said, there's no way to rearrange this without some risk somewhere. And I would probably rather put it on McMahon, who I think is one of the mentally strongest people on the team, and say... We're going to slide you over so that these other guys who really need at-bats can get at-bats, even if, you know, next year he does have to go back to playing third base. And there can be adjustments, and that can be frustrating and difficult at times. But I think McMahon has matured, he's experienced it, and he's going to be hyper-focused on trying to figure out the best version of, of his bat anyway. So I do see other players who desperately need at-bats getting more at-bats without Rodgers in the lineup, and that will be one good silver lining for the club. All right, these last ones I'm going to go through quite a bit more quickly because the stories aren't as deep or interesting, although one thing I do have to talk about, but back on the downs, uh, backstep for Lambert is what I have in here at number two. Again, all the spring training caveats apply. It was just really nice to see him go out and pitch two very clean innings. So the fact that he got out there the next time, walked three guys and gave up a home run and one inning pitched, uh, not ideal, especially the walks. Look, I'd rather you give up three home runs and walk one guy in spring training because especially with Peter Lambert, who a big part of his profile is not walking guys. Now I was listening to the game and you can only get so much into this in spring training, but it sounded like there were some close calls. Jack and Jerry were, you know, going, Hey, uh, that pitch looked pretty good, but ball four, I guess. So uh, 
caveats, caveats, caveats. Still, you don't want Lambert walking three guys in an inning. You don't want any of your pitchers walking three guys in an inning, uh, but especially not Peter Lambert. So uh, right now what we have on the ledger for Lambert in spring training is one very encouraging outing, right? And one pretty discouraging outing. So you've, you're basically back to square one. So it would have been really nice to see him go out and do great again, but we're, we're still keeping a close eye on Lambert. Let's go back over to an up, and this actually just happened right after I pressed record. So I'm going to give you my best analysis of it off the top of my head. But the Rockies have signed Brad Hand to a $2 million contract. I'm actually going to go right into what I love about this the most, which is that so it's a one-year $2 million contract for lefty reliever Brad Hand which does include a $7 million club option for next year, which totally gives away exactly the Rockies thinking here, which is for those of you that know Brad Hand and anyone who plays MLB The Show is 100% familiar with Brad Hand because there's only so many lefty relievers in baseball and there's an even smaller group of lefty relievers who have been close to elite for most of their careers. And Brad Hand is one of those guys. He is 32 years old, about to turn 33 years old. Like I mentioned, a lefty pitcher who spent time in Miami with San Diego, with Cleveland, with Washington, with Mets, and then with the Phillies. So he's jumped around a little bit as relievers tend to do. He's a three-time all-star. He was one of the best relievers during the pandemic shortened season when he led the league in saves. He's been both a closer and a setup man throughout his career. And he's coming off a season in which he pitched 45 innings for the Philadelphia Phillies with a 280 ERA and a 146 ERA plus. For those of you that remember that statistic, ERA plus uh, is league and park adjusted. Anything over 100 is better than the league average. And I'm going to read for you now, starting in 2016, the ERA plus numbers that Brad Hand has put up each year. 136, 196, 148, 127, 192, 144, 220. Like I said, 220 was the pandemic shortened season, so smaller sample size, but yowza. Uh, 107, 121, 114, 152, and like I said last year, 146. So since 2016, Brad Hand has been consistently and substantially above the league average. Now, it does sound like he struggled with, uh, at the very end of last season, there were maybe some elbow tendonitis issues. I, I was searching for, like I said, this just came up. I'm searching for injury history, which is something I'm going to be a little less familiar with, having not followed him for the seven teams he's played for or whatever. Like, I, I know his. These baseline numbers, like I said, from MLB The Show, I'm very familiar with his pitch mix and his delivery and, you know, the fact that he's kind of been one of the more coveted lefty relievers in baseball for a while, that he's turning 33, has had some elbow issues, probably explains why the Rockies were able to get him for just $2 million. But the great thing about this is $2 million, and if he's not good, and in this season where the Rockies aren't going to be any good, whatever. No biggie, no harm, no foul. You paid two million bucks to see if maybe this could work, and it didn't. Uh, you, you know, no skin off my teeth, or however that phrase goes. But if it turns out that Brad Hand can still go, that he can basically still just be 
Brad Hand, like the guy he's been throughout his career, if he puts up his career numbers, he's worth that $7 million that you're going to pay him next year. And then you can keep him on for a season where you hope your ball club is going to be quite a bit more competitive. So I like this, right? Because if it, like I said, if it doesn't work out, it really didn't matter at the end of the day. If it does work out, if he has a good season, the club, and it's entirely their decision, right? It's a $7 million club option. So at that point, they could go, yeah. I mean, it's entirely possible that Brad Hand is the Rockies' best reliever this year. It, that wouldn't be shocking under any circumstances, right? The, the only thing that would maybe be disappointing about that is it might mean that Daniel Bard had a pretty rough year, or at least a down year. But Brad Hand... Like I said, the three-time All-Star. I mean, this is a very good player that the Colorado Rockies just picked up for next to nothing. And I understand that that's almost certainly because there are some red flags here, some question marks here. But again, this is the perfect time to take a risk like this. This is the perfect time. Brent Suter was another one. Like, they've actually done this twice now. And this, this is great. Um, it fits firmly into the C.J. Crone frustration category of this would have been a phenomenal player to have had when the team was competitive. Damn it. Right. If if Brad Hand had been on the 2017 and 2018 rosters instead of Brian Shaw or Jake McGee, then the Rockies would have won the division that we can't play that game all day. Right. But but yeah, this is a guy basically that the Rockies have needed in their bullpen for years. Now they get him when they're going to be bad. (laughs) And that part of it's kind of frustrating and silly and funny, quite frankly. But yeah, especially looking at it for next year. Uh, if the worst case scenario is you paid a guy who's been great in his career $2 million to find out that his career might be over, oh well. Um, it really doesn't it doesn't hurt you in the long term at all and doesn't really torpedo your season this year because there's no season to torpedo. But if it goes the other way, Rockies just got themselves a very nice piece and we could find ourselves in 2024 going, man, that random ass move, in week two of spring training 23, where they just picked up this guy, has paid massive dividends as he's helping the 24 team to competitiveness, right? So I'm big in on the, the Brad Hand move. One last down for you, since we're talking relievers, uh, something happened with Daniel Bard. I haven't gotten a, a full update on that. It, as I was listening to the broadcast, it sounded like maybe a hangnail or a blister, a small thing. He walked two guys and then came out of the game having only recorded a single out. Again, this is one of those things where you hope it's not super serious more for Daniel Bard than for the team. Uh, You'd like to see Bard squeeze the absolute most production he can out of these last couple of years of his career. And man, I'd love to see the guy pitch into his 40s and and all of that. But, you know, you don't want to run too far away with it so far but still you don't love seeing your closer in spring training come out of the game with two walks one out and kind of trainers looking at his pitching hand you don't love that Uh, but until we get more information can only do so much and the last thing i've got for you the last up i have is in the outfield and not actually a production thing at this point despite the fact that there are some guys playing well it's a an arrangement thing. The Rockies have made it clear that they are curious about a couple of things that I am also curious about. Veen in center field. This was something that I've mentioned for really the last year and a half, and I've written about it, and I've talked about it, and every time I do, somebody shows up to inform me that Zach Veen hasn't played any minor league games in center field, which, of course, I know. And I've tried to explain that 
Based on what they've said and what they've done, they've made it very clear that Veen could play center. They'd just prefer to keep him away from there because of the wear and tear on the body. And the, But the fact is, the center field may be the Rockies' biggest area of need right now. And so despite the fact that he hasn't played out there during his minor league career at all, he has a couple of times now in spring training. And that is just, again, the indication that we needed to say, yes, if it does turn out that Daz is not the answer in center and Doyle isn't the answer in center and, you know, whatever else you, you might think a, a free agent out there, uh, you know, people who were excited about, oh, shoot. Now, I wanted to say I want to say the name Jacoby Ellsbury so bad, and that is absolutely the wrong name. <laughs> Oh, shoot. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving all of this in. I'm not even going to edit it out. Who's the guy they wanted to pick up? Massive defender, can't hit with Boston for years. You, you guys, I'll think of it as soon as I stop recording the podcast. Anyway, uh, you know, okay, If you, you, center field could be those things. But if it turns out that Tolia, Bouchard, um, some of these other guys, whoever, you know, emerges in right field and really sinks themselves in there, then the only place that it makes sense for Veen to play is center field. And saying, well, we don't want him to do that to preserve his body would be ridiculous. And so I've been really happy to see that the Rockies are playing with that. I've also been really happy to see them slide Chris Bryant over into right a little bit. Um, because as we all know, Bryant isn't the best defender, but he's also not terrible. There's just too much space to cover in left field. And as much as the wall in right at Coors can be particularly tricky, I think he'd be better as a high IQ guy and someone who understands situational baseball at dealing with that than he will in left where he's got to run around all the time. And I also think it can kind of depend on who else is available that day, right? Bouchard, uh, Doyle, Daza can cover a lot more ground in left if, if those are the guys you want to have out there. You know, the only big thing, and, and this is such an old school baseball thing, is like you want to have the guy with the big arm in right field, right? And that's just not, I mean, only a handful of times a year are you throwing the guy out at the plate or at third base, base from right. It's a nice tool to have. And, and we as Rockies people have been absolutely j just spoiled when it comes to this. You know, Larry Walker, Carlos Gonzalez, Brad Hopp had a cannon of an arm, right? And so it it's nice to have, but, and again, in a year like this, where you're just trying to get guys at bats, if it helps to move Bryant over and to right, both for his longevity and uh, for some other guys to play in a position that they're maybe a little more comfortable or capable at, so we can watch those guys run around a little more in the expanse, that makes sense. But regardless of what they end up doing, my, my up here is more that, the Rockies have shown a willingness to be flexible in their outfield, to not stay rigid to the idea of, well, that guy plays this position or whatever, right? And and also laying the groundwork for the fact that as much as it may be ideal for Veen to be in the corners, it's probably ideal for the Rockies if Veen can play center field. And I like that they're getting him mentally prepared for that. So... There you have it. Rough news on Rodgers. Potentially good news for some other players. In my mind, good news on Brad Hand that could have been great news if the team was good and, and could be great news for next year. A uh, little bit of tough reports as far as 
Lambert struggling a bit and Bard potentially having a little bit of an injury thing, but glad to see the young players and, and Venus still popping off. Drew Romo's been playing well. Tolia's hitting over 300. Montero's been hitting. Elias Diaz has been hitting. So the guys who needed to show up are showing up. And uh, a lot of spring training left to go. So let me know what you're most concerned about out there. What you think of the Brad Hand deal. All that stuff on Twitter. And you can always slide into my DMs and ask me about the Discord. Other than that, just make sure you're keeping up with all the written content at milehighsports.com. Listen to the Mile High Sports radio broadcasts whenever you're in your car cruising around. And that you're checking out all of the fantastic podcasts here on the Podcast Network. Thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.